you've got 99 problems, but a lockout ain't one. 99 days into the lockout, MLB is back, BAM is back, Boris and Matt Weekly is here, the show where we talk a little bit of sports, a little bit of entertainment, and then we combine them at the end to talk some sports entertainment. We're your hosts, as always, I'm Boris, and I'm joined by the one, the only, the Matt. Bonjour. How's everybody doing out there? We hope you're doing well. Dope intro this week, buddy. I love it. Fired up. Baseball is back. We got fantasy baseball. We got 162 games starting April 7th. Oh, man. I, I can't wait. And uh, we got a special guest this week, too. Big yeah, homie. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Go figure. Go figure. We're going to be chatting some baseball MLB because the lockout is over. Then we're going to be chatting some NBA with an old fuck. Joe Aguinaldo is joining us to chat some NBA. And then on the wrestling side, we're going to be chatting AEW Revolution. You're going to get our revelations about Revolution as we revolve around the next pay-per-view, double or nothing. I don't know what's going on, man. I'm feeling jacked. I'm feeling happy. I'm feeling ready. You lost me a little bit there at the end, but you know what, buddy? I'm fired up, too. Uh, yeah, we're talking some revolution. Going to give our star ratings, our AFIs out of five, Boris, for that show. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm uh, I'm just excited to get going today. How are you feeling, big homie? I'm doing great, man. Like I said, this week, again, busy. I'm feeling jacked. I'm feeling ready. I feel like Tony Khan about to enter to like <laughs> announce that he bought ROH. <laughs> I'm sweating. I'm sweating. I feel whoo, jittery. I don't know why. No, but seriously, I feel good, man. It's it's Friday. The weekend begins, and you know what that means? Boris will be drunk. <laughs> uh, possibly drunk already on this Friday morning. No, <laughs> just kidding. But yes, no, go for it, big homie. I love it. No, but you know what it is? I am jacked. MLB is back. Jason Agno and I were talking earlier about like, and, and we were like, whoa, I can't believe this actually happened. Honestly, even you and I, when we were talking about the schedule for the show, we're like, okay, we'll talk NBA. And then you said, we'll talk MLB if they, you know, come up with, um, you know, with, with a resolution by the time that we start recording. And I'm like, so we're only going to be talking about NBA. Well, I ain't crow. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, quite a laugh we had but yeah just like that in our faces baseball is back they came to an agreement so boris what are the details do we know how much do we know and uh like we said april 7th is going to be the first pitch april 8th, 7th is going to be the first pitch for those people interested here in toronto april 8th is the home opener against the texas rangers all right so couple major things out of this all right Post-season format, 12 teams. That's been decided. That's a big one. I really enjoy that. Yeah, so So 12 team playoffs. So what's the format? So the format is still yet to to be formally announced, but I'm assuming that it's going to be a play-in with a bye round for division winner or for league winners. Right. So essentially, it'll probably be somewhat similar to the old NFL playoff structure where the top two seeds get by and then three plays six, four plays five. Probably. Yeah. But who knows? Exactly. That's that's exactly what it comes down to is who knows what the hell any of this actually means. All right. 
big one. This is a big one. I don't want to talk money because at the end of the day, money is money. There's more money in the player's pool. A big one, though, is the international player's draft. Yeah, that's very interesting. And that's starting, what, 2024, it seems? Yep, exactly. It's starting in a few years, but they're setting up a draft for international players. Matt, will this hurt a team like the Blue Jays, who have traditionally done well going overseas? I would think so, right? Like, it would hurt anybody, like the top five or ten teams. If you're above average at going out and finding these players on your own, obviously the fact that they're all in a pool for drafting will hurt you. Yeah, it's an advantage that the Jays no longer have. Of course it hurts. Yep, exactly. That that really does hurt. All right, here's a couple big ones. They're going to be installing a pitch clock and larger bases. That's still not 100% confirmed, but those are some of the rule changes they're going to be looking at over the next 45 days. Another big Interesting. one is restricting defensive positioning. Okay, so pitch clock, sure. I think that's... It seems like a radical change, but that's long overdue. And really, it's not a radical change at all, Boris. What it's attempting to do is getting baseball back to its roots. That's how it used to be played in the 1800s and up to like 19, I don't know, like 90, <laughs> like around then when players started taking a long time to like pitch and Nomar Garcia para types taking an hour between each swing of the bat, right? But uh, yeah, man, the bigger bases, that one strikes me as very odd. Like that seems like a real legitimate fundamental change to baseball, right? Yep. All right. Here's a big one, though. Universal designated hitter. Universal designated hitter essentially means that the DH is now coming into the National League. As a baseball purist that I am, that one hurts me a lot because I loved the style of play of the National League. I loved that extra chess piece that you needed to think of. As a manager, I understand why they're doing it, but it kind of hurts me as a baseball purist. Yeah, I don't like it at all. It it sucks now that we have two-way players. They're going to take away the... uh, Like, if Shohei Otani found himself in the NL, what an advantage, right? And maybe that's why they're taking it away. Maybe that's why they're removing it from the game. But, yeah, I'm going to miss that a lot, too. I I dislike that strongly. I, I, for example, when I play MLB The Show, I'm switching the DH back on. Or, I guess, off. You know what I mean? In the NL. Yep, exactly. All right, and here's some stuff that I think people are going to like, my friend. Nine inning games and doubleheaders is back. Good, yeah, seven inning games I did not like. Did we, do we have any uh, info about the ghost runner? Is that dead? That is dead, gone. No runners on base to start extra innings. Beautiful. The ghost runner has become a ghost. I love it. That that's I understand why it exists. Uh, 18 inning games sound good on paper, but no one actually wants to be there for the full 18 innings, you know? But at the same time, it ruins the sanctity of the sport, the ghost runner. I don't like that at all. Yep. All right. Minimum salaries. We're looking at 700K, 720K, 740K, 760K, and 780K, depending on what year you are. Um, A player can be optioned five times per year now. Hmm. That's interesting. That's probably just good for flexibility. Uh, In terms of minimum salary, 750 grand a year is nothing to sneeze at, obviously. But if you think about how much baseball teams make, that still seems low. Yeah. I agree with you 100%. I agree with you 100% there. 100%. (laughs) It does seem low, especially when you're like, you know, 
you know, and I know that these are starting salaries, but when you're a rookie making 750k or in your third fourth year making just above that and you have people literally making, you know, 50 million, what the hell? In in yeah, in, in, in in the league because remember, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but MLB has has literally broken records in terms of revenue over the past three, four years. Yeah, exactly right. Like, yeah, they're not hurting. Baseball is not hurting right now for money. So, yeah, it's greedy that that's the lowest number. I think the, the minimum salary should probably be around a million, but whatever. Yep, exactly. It, it, so having said that, as of last night, Thursday, March 10th, the um, free agency kicked off. Players can report back into the clubhouses. Trades are open. You know things are going to get really hot really fast. Yes, sir. Yeah, Joe Biagini coming back home, Boris. We're already heating up in Toronto. <laughs> yep. Remember, though, that was that was allowed prior to this lockout being finished because that was only for a um, a a a, uh, a minor league minor contract. League yeah. 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 True. Excellent point. That's fair. Yeah. I just wanted to shout out Biagini. Of course, I love Biagini. He's one of the funniest. If anything. You know, we were talk. I was talking with Jason, and it's if anything, he should be like if we're winning a game ten nothing. That's when we put him in. <laughs> that's funny, but I'll, I'll I'll take that. I hope he does get some time. And yeah, we've already gone through the MLB free agents on this podcast in the past, so I don't want to do that too too much. But just quickly, Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, Javi Baez, Max Scherzer, Robbie Ray. Kevin Gaussman got signed, but there was a lot of there was a lot of people flipping teams. You know what I mean? It's going to be a very very interesting uh, baseball season. So much turnover, Boris. All right, if Freddie Freeman can come to Toronto, I would be Oof. a very happy man. Now I understand that someone already plays in his position, but I think that he would be a huge asset, and I also still firmly believe that Toronto should make a very huge attempt at Clayton Kershaw. That would be interesting, man. Get some Kershaw in, get for a one or two year deal. Can Freddie play third or anywhere else in the infield or is he strictly a first baseman? I don't know. That's the thing. I'm I'm not I'm not too familiar with how much he plays, right? But right. let's be honest. Yeah. We need a third baseman and we need a second baseman. We're not getting anywhere with Biggio and Espinola. Well, Santiago was coming on, but is he an everyday, even like an average major league infielder? We'll see about Santiago. Biggio, same same thing. I, I, I want to believe the jury's still out on those guys, but you might be right, buddy. You might be right. And uh, maybe maybe it would just be Vlad and Freddie splitting DH and first base duties if we do get Freddie in. But if Freddie could play a little third, or, or if Vlad is willing to go back and we're willing to try him again at third, we, we, I don't know. Vlad's a pretty good first baseman, though. I don't think we need Freddie Freeman. I don't know. There's something about Freddie Freeman that I really want. Basically, I want him out of Atlanta. <laughs> Canadian kid, right? It's always cool to see the Canadian kid come home on any team. So I did mention I want Clayton Kershaw. And, and back when, when the, all of this free agency started, I always said that if the National League were to keep the – or not – have a dh that clayton kershaw was going to go to the american league because of his back now i think he has many options available to him 
Yeah, it's a really good point because yeah, he doesn't need to go. There's no difference anymore. But that's a good call. Like I could see aging pitchers. Oh, they they do it a lot. It's happened a lot where aging pitchers will make the transition to the American League. Yep. So yeah, man, baseball is back. It has been saved. I'm excited. The Jays have a really interesting young team. They're fifth in World Series odds right now. Yep. I was literally going to jump to that. The odds right now, DraftKings 2022 World Series odds, Dodgers plus 700, go Dodgers, yay. Ah, GTFO, please continue. (laughs) I need a new co-host. Anyways, um, (laughs) uh, so Dodgers plus 700 in second place, tied at plus 900. You have the Astros and the Yankees. What, What do you think of that? Uh, that makes sense to me. The Yankees are a public team. They're maybe a touch high there, but I mean, they're, they're the New York Yankees, right? Like, look at their roster. I actually, they, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that one. To be honest, I think the Dodgers are rated a little too high at plus 700. That's just me personally, right? That like they're, they're looking, they don't have Joe Kelly. Not that he was like an ace, but you know, what, the, the Dodgers hurt in their middle rotation in the middle of the game. They don't have Joe Kelly. They might not have Clayton Kershaw. You know, Zach Greinke is available, so hopefully they can finally bring him back, even though he he kind of, like, doesn't really want to come back properly. So I don't think the Dodgers deserve to be number one at plus 700. Anyways, back to the list. At fourth place, you have the Mets at plus 1,000. I think that makes sense. Added Scherzer to go along with uh, DeGrom. They lost Syndergaard, but that's all right because they replaced Syndergaard with Scherzer, who theoretically is better on paper we'll see how that plays out also added sterling Marte. i like this team man the mets are the mets are definitely on paper the favorite to win that division the nl east yep and then in fifth place to round it all or fourth place depending how you like reading these lists the blue jays at plus 1100 yes tied with the white Sox, who on this list that i'm reading right now are also at plus 1100 yep there you go lfg let's fucking go yeah buddy uh okay blue jay let's play ball big homie that was our baseball talk baseball is back matt i'm super excited but you know what else i'm excited for matt what's that big homie we have a special guest some would say he's an old fuck i say he's one of the best people that i love talking to on the snme team and he is one person who loves to talk about wrestling who loves to talk about sports and then you know sometimes we talk about Random stuff like computers because we're both geeks. That is none other than the old fuck himself, Joe Aguinaldo. Uh, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on, and thank you for the intro. I'm 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 not used to getting an intro like that, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, that's what we do on Bam. You know, it's it's you know it's a loving. It's a family here. Uh, but yeah, so. We brought you here to talk about some NBA, to talk about some AEW revolution, and to just have, you know, shoot the shit as the kids say. Uh, So, Matt, man, NBA right now is in a very interesting position. Last night, we saw Ben Simmons return to another than Philadelphia. City of brotherly love, it was not. Holy crap. What do you think? (laughs) 
Uh, it was yeah, it was pretty fun just to watch him get booed. Although I was, I was thinking, and my roommate brought this up too. But I was just watching that, thinking like, oh geez, I wonder why Ben Simmons could possibly want to walk away from all of this. You know what I mean? Like these loving Philadelphia fans. But you know, it feels like right now in the basketball season, for the past couple of months, we've been like slowly going up the roller coaster, like tick 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 tick. And officially, with this Ben Simmons thing, feels like we're into playoff season now. We're just going downhill of uh, record rate so i'm excited uh yeah so we're gonna talk some hoop quickly i think we're just gonna go through every nba team just like very fast and kind of give playoff picks maybe mvp picks but uh, before we do that joe you're a hoop uh fan uh what got you into basketball how long have you been watching have you ever played what's your history with hoops um earliest memory is watching the uh storied showtime lakers versus the boston celtics I was uh, I was team uh, team Lakers all the way because I hated Boston. And I hated Bird. I think yeah, right. much like a lot right. of people did. <laughs> yep. Um, but really, what got me into basketball, um, probably like many people in my generation, was when uh, Michael Jordan came into the league. Um, right. You know, I, I I do remember you know the pre-Jordan Bulls, uh, you know, with Orlando Woolridge. I think he was their top player <laughs> at the time, which you know from way back. But when Jordan came in, I mean, you know, like I I jumped on the the NBA bandwagon, so to speak. And I, I was a I was pretty you know I followed basketball for a while up until I'm gonna say I'm gonna say like let's say the early 2000s in that area. Um, and while I still watch it, like I'm, I'm definitely not as, you know, sort of as hardcore as I used to be. Although I will admit, like we are definitely a Toronto Raptors family. Uh, my wife nice. is a crazy Raptors fan. That's awesome. Did you go to the parade? Uh, actually, I, I was, I went downtown that day because I okay. worked downtown, but holy crap, it was already packed. Like I, I go to work at like, this is obviously pre pandemic. I'd get on the train at like, you know quarter to quarter to eight and like that train going downtown that day was insane and uh we got downtown and like we weren't even near capacity it was already pretty packed so i i kind of stayed away it was just it was way too crazy yeah, no doubt. Yeah, we went to like basically the very start of the parade over at like uh, medieval times over mm-hmm. by like BMO Field, and right. that was I, it was a good place to to go. We got a got some pretty good looks at everyone. Got some good pictures of Kawhi and the trophy and stuff. But yeah, I mean, what a night that was! What a day that that was! That was a lot of fun. I'll never forget that parade as long as I live. So oh, I yeah, love that's... basketball. Oh yeah, those that weekend from the Thursday that they won to the you know Monday night once everything settled down. Those few days were just absolutely incredible. Like, I had so much fun. You know, the city was just booming. Probably, uh, yeah, you know, it was just tons of fun. I just remember, like, people just being out on the street that Thursday night. It reminded me a lot of when Sidney Crosby got that golden goal 20 years ago. Yeah, it's a really good call, man. Great, great analogy. Yeah, that was a fun uh, day as well. Fun afternoon, at least. But yeah, man, yeah, that that parade was something special. Like just the amount of love, the outpouring of love for the basketball team, all ages, all races, you know what I mean? Just actually coming together. It was so it was so cool in this time. And we seem uh, after the pandemic further away from that uh, now more than ever. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let's talk some hoop, fellas. So we're going to start in the Western Conference and just go through the team. So basically, it looks to me like we have our 10 playoff teams 
in the West, and we have five teams who kind of packed it in. So uh, for those who aren't familiar in the NBA, the way it works is the top six teams automatically qualify. And then seven, eight, nine, and 10 enter a play-in tournament. So the seventh seed plays the eighth seed. The winner of that game gets the seventh seed in the playoffs. The ninth seed plays the 10th seed. The loser of that game is eliminated. And then the loser of the 7-8 game plays the winner of the 9-10 game. And the winner of that game gets the 8th seed. So it's a little complicated, but it does make for some fun uh, one-and-done kind of games down the stretch. Anyway, so our five teams in the West that are eliminated. Houston Rockets at 15th. Oklahoma City Thunder at 14th. Sacramento Kings at 13th. San Antonio Spurs at 12th. Portland Trailblazers at 11th. Looks like they all packed it in. What do you think? Yeah, 100%. Especially Portland. You know, Portland, oh, they they gave absolutely. up. They gave <laughs> up and they said, F it, we're done. We're calling it a year. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, traded uh, CJ McCollum to the Pelicans. Dame Lillard out for the season. Basically shut him down. He could maybe theoretically play if they were fighting for the title, but he's not playing for the rest of the year. And yeah, Anthony Simon's looking pretty good, but other than that, yeah, the Trailblazers have basically shuttered down. Yep, yep. Um, you know, and 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 what other team was there? Sorry, uh, can you can you name uh, them again? Yeah. So yeah, uh, eleven Blazers, twelve Spurs, thirteen Kings, fourteen Thunder, fifteen Rockets. None of those teams are going to the playoffs. Yeah, I know the Rockets really don't surprise me. It's a shame because that's a team that deserved a championship so badly a few years ago, right? Like they had it all. They had it all, but they just couldn't get the big one. And you know what? You know It sucks because that team is just going to go through a lot of woes right now. The Pelicans, what can you say about them, honestly? Yes. Yeah, well, the Pelicans are here at 10th, and now they're a very interesting team because they're officially trying again. It looks like they will be in the playoffs yeah. without Zion Williamson, maybe, although it seems like they're kind of starting to make nice now. It's possible that Zion has not played his last game as a Pelican. Uh, Joe, just as a, as a somewhat casual basketball fan, you think Zion's leaving? What do you think is going on here? Dude, is he even going to make it back? Like, I, I, I'm i so I'm so up and down on that guy. I mean, like, I, you know, I remember when he was in college, he, like, he had all this potential and all of a sudden, like, it's like, you know, dude, do you have any discipline? <laughs> like, can you yeah. figure out your game? I, I, I don't know about that guy, man. And, and honestly, if I'm the Pelicans, I know that I know. It, you know, he was a the first first pick. I know it's hard to give up on somebody like that, but man, like, you know, I, I, I might almost, I might. It, I'm again, I'm on the fence with that guy because I know he's got a lot of skills. I know he's got potential, but I, I'm also not impressed with him at all. Absolutely. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, if he is coming back, I guess, you know what, put it this way, if he comes back and he actually, you know, uh, does well in the playoffs, okay, cool. You know, like if they, if he shows me something, but I just haven't seen anything from the dude other than potential and that doesn't, that doesn't do anything, that doesn't win anything, right? Has anyone seen this man, this kid, this boy in months? Like, I haven't seen him in public in forever. 
No, man. Yeah, he's deep in hiding. And uh, New Orleans fans are not being nice to Zion. There was like a parade recently where I don't know if you saw that float where they just had a big fat Zion float. They're making fun of him in public. It's a rough it's a rough situation, but it kind of looks like the 9-10 game. It's going to be loser leaves town match Lakers and Pelicans. It's kind of seeming like that's going to be Boris, your boys, the Lakers. What's going on? Can LeBron beat the Pelicans by himself? Yes, he can. And what have I said? I, I I keep saying this, Matt, and I've said this since October when we did our preseason or our season uh, preview. The Lakers are a playoff team. They're going to squeak into the playoffs, but they're going to actually have their run in the playoffs when shit actually matters. That's honestly the type of team that the Lakers are going to be. And I knew it was going to be a rough go. You know, I feel bad because, you know, L.A. is passionate about the Lakers. It's like the only team that they're actually passionate about. Not the Dodgers. When the Dodgers suck, they run them out of town. When the Kings suck, they run them out of town. L.A. actually cares about the Lakers. How they're treating Russell Westbrook right now is insane. It's absolutely insane how they're treating this guy. But you know what? And this is why I love L.A. L.A. similar to Toronto. They're going to change their tune in a few weeks when they are making a great run in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. I'm curious to see what the Lakers do, because I, I agree with you, uh, Boris. I always thought that if they get in, I don't want to play them. Yeah, that's sort of my attitude with them. And when we get to the East, there's a few of those teams as well. But um, I, I do like the Lakers because of LeBron. I'm not the biggest LeBron fan, but I respect the hell out of that guy. You know, and and again, he's one of those very few players in the NBA that, you know, you're down by or like you're up by two. And you know the ball's going to LeBron, and you don't want him getting the ball with like five seconds left. So yep. uh, you know, the, I think the Lakers, uh, you know, are going to be dangerous in the playoffs if they if they, if they get in. Yeah, yeah, especially in that one game play-in format. But if they do finish ninth or tenth, they have to win twice to actually yeah. make the playoffs. So they have to beat the Pelicans, and then probably it's going to be Timberwolves and Clippers. The big wild card around the Clippers is when is Kawhi coming back? Yeah. If he comes back, that team instantly becomes a title threat. Period. Because Kawhi Leonard is that good. If you had told me, Matt, at the beginning of the year that a play-in game could be Clippers-Lakers, I would have laughed at your face. But here we are. Yeah. And you know TNT, TBS, whatever station it's going to be on, they're just loving every second of this because that game is going to be money for everyone. Absolutely. Los Angeles explodes. Clippers v. Lakers could be for the eighth seed. Absolutely could happen. So, yeah, so the Timberwolves are seventh right now, but they're hot. They've won six in a row, eight of their last ten. Nuggets are also hot. They've won their last four, nine of their last ten. So, yeah, uh, Nuggets sixth, Mavericks fifth, Utah Jazz fourth, the Golden State Warriors in third. They're uh, hurting a little bit with the loss of Draymond Green, and Clay is still getting up to form. Uh Second in the West right now, the Memphis Grizzlies, led by Ja Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. Ja Morant is jumping out of the gymnasium. Uh, and uh, in number one in the West, the Phoenix Suns, led by the ageless Chris Paul. This man, uh, an old fuck, and he is not going down lightly. Yeah, honestly, like, who would have thought, you know, that... Even three years ago, the Phoenix Suns would just, you know, rock shock against Clippers, you know, and just be the dominant team in the West. And the and the Warriors, again, they're that's a team that I think is built for the playoffs. If they get their squad back and they're healthy in the playoffs, you don't want to face them. I'm telling you right now, the champion's gonna come from the West. 
Oh, yeah. Well, that's a it's a really good point, man. Even Luca, like we barely mentioned Luca Doncic, who might be the best player alive. Mavericks are in fifth, but they have a new team possibly more suited to Luka Doncic's game. Right. So, uh, Joe, if you had to pick one team to win the Western Conference, who do you think it would be? So many questions. Can Chris Paul stay healthy? Can LeBron do it himself? Is Kawhi coming back? Can Luka pull it off? Can Jokic pull it off? Can the Warriors heal up? Is jaw too young? Who you got? Oh man, that is such a tough question. But you know what? I, at this point, I'm 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 actually going to pick the Phoenix Suns. Like they've got a great team, and um, like they've been they've been to the you know they've been to the finals, so they've got that experience. And I mean, you know, right now to me, they're they're still like they're the far and away the best team in the West, regardless of whether or not the you know whether whether LeBron is you know playing hot or Kawhi gets back or anything like that. But I will say my dark ho- my dark horse will be the Clippers if 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 they get healthy and if they get Kawhi back. Yeah, absolutely. It makes a lot of sense, man. Well, we've seen Kawhi do it with the Raptors, although the Raptors, I do think the team that Kawhi had around him in Toronto is much better than the team that he has around him in uh, Los Angeles. Well, you know what, though? I mean, didn't they just get Ibaka and, and Norm uh, Norm Powell and stuff like that? So <laughs> it's true. You know They're I mean? getting like, some of the band back together. They exactly right. Um you know, plus they have uh, what's the point guard's name? I always forget the point guard's name. I don't want to say yeah, yeah. Paul George, I think it is. So again, if he starts playing well, if knock on wood, the Clippers look good too. But the the other part about the Clippers though is like history is against them because for whatever reason they just can't get to the finals. So like, yeah, yeah, I, I I still think Phoenix though is is as far as far and away the best team in the West. And talk about a snake bit team, Boris. What do you think? Who's coming out of the West? Right. I'm going to have to say the Suns. I'm going to agree with Joe on that one. And my backup is going to probably have to be, hmm, I'm going to have to say Denver. Yeah, Jokic is is looming, man. The Nuggets are scary. And he is. That is a that's a good pick. I think it's Jokic versus Embiid right now for MVP at this moment. And yeah, that's a, that's a really strong pick. I think I, I think I'm going to second you, Boris. I'm thinking Suns and uh, Dark Horse backup pick Nuggets. Uh, they will go as far as uh, Nikola Jokic takes them. Yep, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, quickly, let's go to the West. It looks like only three teams have packed it in. Pacers, Pistons, Magic, they're done. They're playing for 2024 and beyond. Uh, we have the Knicks in 12th who are still trying. God bless them. It's not going so well, but they are winners of their last three in a row. Do you think the Knicks will squeak into the play-in tournament, yes or no? Nope. I, I'm I'm only, I'm gonna say yes, but only because R.J. Barrett used to my, used to go to my kids' high school, so we root, <laughs> we root for him. So I'm I'm gonna say yes, they're gonna make it. But again, right. only only because of R.J. Barrett. So. All right, fair enough. Well, then Joe, you need to, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a stickler. I'm gonna get you to say two of these next four teams won't make the playoffs. Starting with the Wizards, the Washington former Bullets. Are they gonna be in Boris? Yes or no? No. 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 Wizards out, currently sitting in 11th. They had a solid start, but yeah, they came back down to earth. A team that's kind of figuring it out after a bad start, the Atlanta Hawks fighting their way back up to 500. Are they going to make it, Boris? I think so. I think they've been hotter. They've been on the hot streak. I think that they've kind of figured out what what was going wrong that in the early part of the season. And uh, I think Atlanta's a lot better than people, than they are on paper is what I'm trying to say. I agreed. I, I think the Hawks, I think they make that in. And then you can't, you can't, you can't root again, or you can't uh, go against Trey in the playoffs. That dude's, that dude's money. 
No, oh, absolutely. Yeah, man. And we've seen him do it before in uh, college and in the pros. So yeah, yep. Trey, Trey Young is sick. Here's an interesting one. The LaMelo ball led Hornets. Are they going to make the playoffs currently in ninth? Ooh, that's a tough one, man. I'm going to have to say yes. I think they're going to squeak in. I think when it comes to, 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 you know, um, win or go home, I think they can pull it off. Oh, Joe, man. what do you think? I, I'm, I'm, I want to believe, but I, I can't. I'm going to say no on these guys. Yeah. I just, I haven't seen, it's just, it's like, it's different. Like the, like you guys just said, the Hawks look like they're figuring it out. The Hornets, I'm not so sure. So yeah. <laughs> that, uh, fair enough. Fair enough. And uh, the, uh, the last team that I feel like is on the bubble in eighth right now, 33 and 33 before uh, the Philadelphia game, the uh, Brooklyn Nets. Yep. They, they got to make the playoffs, right? Like, there's no way they don't make the playoffs with Kyrie, with Kevin Durant, possibly, perhaps, a second or two of Ben Simmons. <laughs> Maybe, they, if, possibly. If, if they don't make the – actually, I'm going to say right now, if they don't even make the conference finals, I think Steve Nash or someone's getting fired because they this team was was built for the finals, yeah. like, to make the finals. Um, and, you know, like how we were talking about the Lakers in the West being a playoff team, to me, this is a team that if they get in, I do not want to play them, like, oh, yeah, especially absolutely. if they're all healthy. That's just a scary proposition. There is a cursed universe out there where it's Nets versus Lakers final. That could easily happen. <laughs> that, there's a world where that exists or neither of them make the playoffs. That could happen, too. It's crazy. But, yeah, so the Nets currently uh around that 500 level that's where they've been floating recently i think they will eventually have a healthy roster and do some damage in the playoffs uh the raptors currently at 35 and 30 in seventh place would be in the playoff in the little play-in tournament thing how do you feel about the raptors right now do you think they'll stay in that play-in tournament do you think they'll do some damage i think they are probably going to be in that play-in tournament um like I like their like their starters I will put up against anybody but it's the bench. You can't play your starters for 40 plus minutes every game and Nick Nurse has been doing that. And look, like in the playoffs you theoretically shorten your bench. Well, he's already playing a short bench. So, yeah, like I think the Raptors I think the Raptors are going to be in the play in. I think they I want to say they're going to get into the playoffs, but man, like that's going to be a tough run for them uh, unless someone on the bench steps up. I agree yeah. 100% with you, man. Um I I've said it on this show in the past that, you know, we've it, it's depressing almost, but it happens that we've gone from one of the best benches in history to this non-existent bench and it really sucks because we, you know raptors traditionally the style of play that we've had we've relied on the bench so much so it really sucks seeing this and seeing the starters literally play 40 plus minutes it's insane they're going to be exhausted come playoff time whether it be the play-in tournament or the actual playoffs so you know you can't rely on this and i you know here's a scary part if you take a look and you do kind of like a lessons learned of on the season this uh, strategy, even though it's the only strategy that they really have to get wins, I, this could cost Nick Nurse his job. Oh, yep. ooh, well, maybe, maybe, but I think I think Masai and the team has the utmost faith, utmost faith and trust, guys, in Nick Nurse. We'll see, though, man. Like coaches get fired all the time in sports. Stranger yeah. things have happened than that. 
Oh, I mean, look at look at what happened to Dwayne Casey. The guy didn't the guy win like you know Coach, Coach of the, the year? year, and it was like, see you later, pal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? But yep. I actually I actually defend that decision. But yeah, agreed. He won the Coach of the Year trophy and was fired in the same year. So that's crazy. Brian Flores and the Dolphins. Oh my God, that one is, <laughs> that, that one I do not agree with at all. Anyway, that's that's a that's a two hour podcast right there, buddy. <laughs> um. Uh, number six, the surprise of the NBA and sixth in the East, led by probable rookie of the year, Evan Mobley, I got to think. The Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, I'm shocked, honestly. Like, it, it's it's crazy to see Cleveland actually do well without LeBron. Like, I know it's possible, but in, tw- in 20 years, you know, in 20 years without LeBron, how many times have they made the playoffs? So seeing this right now, it's good to see because they're moving on, but... You know, I, I think that the team is too young. So if they do make the playoffs, I don't think they're going to get too deep. I agree with that. Um, I like like I am shocked that they're they're doing well and pleasantly shocked. I don't mind Cleveland. But yeah, like when they get in, usually, you know, a young team like at, at this point, they would be playing. Uh, let's see. One, two, three. They'd be playing, I guess, the Bulls. If you go by, you know, Ooh. this. No, not the Bulls. Sorry. They'd be playing the Sixers. The Sixers. Yeah. And I would not like the Cavaliers chances against the Sixers if it if it if it gets to that. That's an interesting series, though, because we've seen James Harden played bad in basically every big game he's ever had to play. <laughs> and the Cavaliers are so young. They don't know what they don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're the team that could shock a team like the 70s. That would be a very interesting series. I love the NBA playoffs. They're pretty good. But yeah, so the the top five in the East, the red hot Boston Celtics looking like they figured it out. The DeMar DeRozan led Bulls. DeMar DeRozan having his best year MVP candidate along with Embiid, who is on the 76ers with James Harden now. Uh, in second in the East, we have the Bucks, led by Giannis, who might be the best player in the world himself. And in first in the East, we have the Miami Heat. Heat culture, Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, Pat Riley, all your favorites. Yep. Yeah, the Heat, it's hard not to pick the Heat to get out of the East, right? It's really, it's it, how could you not, looking at their team, um, you know, as, as a starting unit, as a team, they probably have the best team chemistry, but those Bulls, if there's a team that can come back from, you know, 20 points down, if there's a team that can last outlast you, you know, if there's a team that can be master of their own domain, it's the Chicago Bulls. Yes, I use that. I saw that. You went for it. You really did. Uh, all right. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll start with me this time. I, I'm going to get my pick in. For for the East, I think last night's game, Nets Sixers, is an Eastern Conference Final preview. I think that's going to be the the Eastern Conference Final. And man, this is not this is not saying like I love what what Brooklyn did. This is not saying I'm a huge Kyrie fan or a particularly big Ben Simmons fan. But I have such respect for Kevin Durant. I have such respect for his game. I think he's the best player alive. I think with that surrounding cast around him, if Kevin Durant stays healthy. The Brooklyn Nets are going to the finals. <sighs> yeah. It's hard to disagree with you, but I'm going to have to still go with Miami. Oof. Joe, what do you think? Who's winning the East? Oh, man. Um, I Okay, I, I have to go with Miami as well. Uh, you know, you've got – like, they've been, they've been there. Yeah, and they've added, they've added that one component they were missing in a, you know, in a, in a floor general – and it just so happens that that floor general happens to have won a finals as well. Now, that said, though, um, 
your thought about uh, the 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 Brooklyn Nets, man, like to me that like like I I think like okay again, assuming that the standings stay the way that they are and the Nets play the Heat, if the Nets beat the Heat, the Nets are going to the finals. That's sort of the way I look at it yeah. because like KD, like you said, is is you know he's amazing. I am not the biggest Kyrie Irving fan, but that dude, like every time he touches the ball, I'm scared. And if Ben Simmons can play anywhere near what he was supposed to be, um, that's a scary, that's a scary, you know, three, three, uh, like three players, because like the one thing with Ben Simmons is that now he doesn't have to be the guy he's already got the guy there. So everyone's going to be concentrating on him. Ben Simmons can just play. Oh, you know what? I'm going to get all the garbage points here. You know, he's going to get like, you know, whatever is 20 points on like offensive rebounds or something like that. Right. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I'm going to pick the Heat, but I would not be shocked if the Nets win the East either. That team's just too good. Too good, man. Too good. Uh, okay, before we leave uh, basketball chat, quickly, let's talk a little MVP. Uh, like I said, I, it might be coming down to Jokic versus Embiid right now. So uh, quickly, Jokic, he is going <laughs> off this year. 26 points. 13.9 rebounds, 8.1 assists. He has played 59 games and Denver is uh is pretty much solely because of him 40 and 26 in 6th place. Now Embiid, the uh Sixers are 40 and 25, I think. <laughs> and uh Embiid's numbers right now, 29.7 points, 11.2 rebounds, 4.3 assists. But those are just raw numbers. We're not even talking shooting splits or anything like that. Just base, base numbers, just off the eye test, off what you know about basketball. Who would your MVP vote go to? I, You know, as dumb as this sounds, I'm going to say Jokic, Jokic because if he's not there, uh, Denver's chances of losing are much more than if, if Embiid, at least in my opinion, if Embiid's not there, Versus Jokic not being there, I think the Denver Nuggets are in a lot more trouble. Yep. No, that's fair. He is more valuable for yeah. that one reason. Boris, sorry, go ahead. No, I agree 100% with uh, with Joe there because the MVP to me is the award, and I say this all the time. I said it when we were talking about MLB, and it's if you remove this one player from the equation, is that team still good? Is that team shitty? And Joe Kick is like literally his back is breaking because he has them <laughs> like he has the entire franchise on his back right now. Like yeah. that poor man's knees right now. Oh, man. Yeah. And he's a G. He'll punch out a Morris brother. He doesn't give a shit about <laughs> anything. So, <laughs> Nikola Jokic MVP. I can support that back to back MVP. Right. Didn't he win it last year? Uh, thought that uh, no. I forget. Did, or did you? Did Giannis win it? I, I forget. I forget. He, he's. I think he. Jokic has an MVP under his belt, though. Anyway, neither here nor there. So yeah. Uh, if we, if you had to pick, your finals both would be Suns versus Heat. Mine would be Suns versus Nets. Who you got? Who's taking home the title? Oof. You know what? I uh, if if again, I've got the Heat. I'm going to I'm probably going to go with the heat. I, I, I like Jimmy Butler. I like Kyle Lowry. Um, you know, both are proven in in, in the fight, like in, in the finals, in the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, I got to I got to go with the heat. Joe, I'm not trying to suck up to you, but honestly, I'm agreeing with you yet again. It's and it's it's that play. It's that playoff experience. Right. It's that yeah. finals experience that I think the heat have over the Suns. 
But long term, and here's the thing: the Heat have this year, maybe next year, to win. The Suns, they're they're set up for the next five six years. You know, this is very similar to the NFL, where the Rams had to had to had to had to had to had to win this year, right? You know. Yeah. Meanwhile, Cleveland um, or uh, uh, what's their face? Cincinnati. 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 It all starts with a C. They're American. Doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> all, you know, they are set up for years, right? So it's a very similar situation. But I think that today uh, the Heat are going to win. God bless USA. Love you guys. Thank you for listening. <laughs> so, so, <yeah. laughs> so that he made the finals a couple years ago. Uh, Suns obviously made the finals last year, but they uh, the Heat have the added component of Kyle Lowry, who wears a ring as an NBA champion, who had uh, some incredible performances in that playoff and in the NBA finals. And that, if not, though, though Kawhi was the MVP, if not for Kyle Lowry, we would have not won that title. That last game, game six, if it wasn't for that, start that laurie gave us holy crap yeah yeah, yeah he, like, like he hit like what three four five like three pointers right at the right, beginning of yes, that game right back to back like, yeah, like up we're for, not for losing, game five yeah, yeah. We're, we're not losing this game and uh yeah I, a lot of uh, salty uh, nba fans will say all oh, the raptors uh, whatever uh, if the uh the warriors were healthy they would have won and uh, it's possibly true perhaps hey, it's hey, true you know what but the thing Be is salty. they weren't Be yeah. salty. And I'm a Lakers fan, but the Lakers didn't actually earn the 2020 title. That's all I'm going to exactly. say. Exactly. And my, my point in bringing that all up is somebody has to step up. Somebody has to be the guy. And there will be a man who the record book shows was the guy who won that title. And in 2019, it's Kyle Lowry. He was the guy who stood up and was slaying motherfucking dragons with his sword. So Kyle Lowry has the experience. I like where your guys had that heads at. Having said that, I think Brooklyn wins the title and we all learned the wrong lessons out of this <laughs> NBA season. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just buy a title and uh, uh, Kyrie Irving gets to just continue being Kyrie. I think that's how this plays out, <laughs> unfortunately, for the world, perhaps. But I love Kevin Durant, so I'll take it. Yep, exactly. It's kind of funny how the world works like that, especially sports, right? Like, how many people who didn't deserve titles actually got them? <laughs> it's happened a couple of times. Peyton Manning, cough, cough. Yeah, exactly. Ooh. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. All right, man. All right, so there is one last thing before we jump to wrestling that I want to talk about. Because we're talking about booze and returns, Las Vegas Golden Knights last night played in Buffalo. And oh man, oh man, Matt, this was a big deal. Now, when you said booze and returns, I thought you were bringing some empties back. But yeah, no, booze as in like jeers from the crowd. Jack Eichel, his first game back in Buffalo. And yeah, Buffalo fans... Uh, I don't know. They're not exactly Philly fans, but maybe not the maybe not the classiest. Like I don't understand a, a Buffalo Sabres fan who's mad at Jack Eichel. I think it just goes to show you they don't know exactly what went down. You know how the team, the guy was looking after his own health. You know this is a guy who literally put his health above everything else, and his team let him down, and so he had to leave get his health addressed, and there he is, and he's back. 
Yeah, so for for the listeners, for anyone who doesn't know, a a quick synopsis of the Jack Eichel situation is he was selected very high in the draft, I believe number two to Austin Matthews in 2016, I want to say off the top of my head. And uh, he's, he's supposed to be a sick player, and he was very good. But he got really badly injured and needed neck surgery. Uh, The Buffalo Sabres did not want him to get neck surgery because it's a risky proposition. But Jack Eichel basically, like, knew that he needed it and demanded it and kind of was like, I'm not playing until I get this. So they were at an impasse. Buffalo ended up having to trade him. And uh, he got the surgery. And he's back on the ice. And it seems like uh, all is well. He's now a Vegas Golden Knight. So, like, if you're a Buffalo Saber fan, I get being upset with the situation, but I don't get being mad at the player or the person, Jack Eichel. You know? Yeah, everyone knows I hate <laughs> Buffalo and the Bills. Yeah, Buffalo can screw it. Uh, Joe, any thoughts on Boris's comments this evening? <laughs> Absolutely not. Although I do agree with you, I know a little bit about this Jack Eichel situation, and like, I, I you, I, at the end of the day. Root your, you know, root or boo for your sports teams, but you can't root or boo for a human who's just trying to do the best, you know, the best for him, like himself and the best for his situation. I, you know, I, I, again, I understand that they're mad at the situation, but to boo this guy because he wanted to get neck surgery because, you know, he was injured. I got a problem with that. Yeah, big time. Big time. I think we're all in agreement on that. So, uh, yeah, do better, Buffalo Sabres. (laughs) And then the city, the fans, come on. Like, that's what it ultimately comes down to. Just do better. Right, we're going to jump into sports entertainment. And it's great that we have the old fuck, one of the old fucks here on the line. Because we're going to be chatting all things AEW Revolution. Because we are the young guns who love throwing rating systems and ratings to matches. So, Matt, we are going to be rating and reviewing AEW Revolution from this past weekend. But before we do, Joe, everyone heard your thoughts. Can you summarize how you felt about the pay-per-view? Overall, I thought it was a thumbs-up pay-per-view. Um, I thought it was a pr- pretty long. <laughs> like it, um, it, it, uh, it, you know, the four hours, five hours, including the, the pre-show. So, I, I think the one thing, if I if I might complain about it, because overall I like the show, and yes, you can nitpick a you know a lot of stuff, and I'm sure we'll get into some of it, but I think I think one of the things that AEW needs to be careful of is they need to find those breaks for the fans because every match, like the first three matches, Eddie Kingston, Jurassic, boom, 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 and you could kind of see the the crowd getting tired, you know what I mean? You could hear the difference in the crowd, and I mean eventually they got they got back, but. You know, like that Britt Baker match should have had a lot more noise in it than it it did. You know what I mean? So I think AEW needs to do better with the pacing of their shows. Like I love I I love the fact that they give us great matches, but man, that pacing is just way too much. Man, you got to you got to slow some stuff down and give the the fans a chance to breathe. You know what? I that's the problem when you honestly listen to the fans. Sometimes you can listen to the fans a little too much and give the fans a little too much of what they want. You know, every yep. single match on this card, including the buy-in, had a reason to be on the card. Did they deserve to be on the card? That's a conversation for a different day. But every single match had its build-up, had its reason. There was blow-off uh, to most of these matches, so it made sense that they were there, you know, in in, as, in terms of story. But like you said, it was just five hours of almost nonstop action. And unlike, and some, you know, maybe it's just us starting to get used to these premium live events 
you know, and the the Peacock commercials. But it's like, boom, just, you know, match is done. Let's just get right into the next one. Yeah, I mean, I, the, which, shoot, which one was it last year? I think it was Full Gear, where it was just back to back to back yep. to back. Like, they, there was no breaks. There was no vignettes. And I mean, it was cool. Don't get me wrong. But man, that's a, that's a that's a tiring pay-per-view to watch. Right. Um, and because they only do like the you know, the, the like they, they do less number of shows like they don't do a monthly pay-per-view. Those four hour, you know, pay-per-views, you know, four plus hours that that can get that can get a little tiring to watch, you know. Yep. No, exactly. absolutely. Especially when you're like trying to analyze and like come with like uh, like a, a podcast immediately after a show <laughs> like this. It's tough, man. Honestly, I have the luxury of being able to watch AEW as a fan, and I just kick my feet up and drink some beers and enjoy this awesome wrestling show, and then on my own time go back and try to like you know what I mean, try to like watch it with a fine tune fine tooth home and put a rating on it you know what i mean so but uh, honestly it was like it kind of felt like it's so packed tightly that you had to watch it twice just to digest all of it you know well and then like let's also like like forget forget the podcast thing for a sec right actually i can't forget it because i i did it but like dan and i you know we have we have the day jobs. So Dan, because he starts at four in the morning, actually ended up pulling an all nighter because he was going to yeah. have to get up at three o'clock anyways. Um, you know, I went, I, I, by the time I wound down, I got, I got to bed at three and I had to be up by like six. So yeah. it was, a, that, that Monday was not fun for either of us. Right. <laughs> yeah. Even I was yeah. exhausted on Monday. Like Matt and I did the It's Canon podcast and I was still tired because I stayed up because I posted the shows on all the feeds. Right. So I'm like, whoo. Yeah. This is a long night. It was a little, <laughs> little look behind the curtain. I was offered the chance to do Mania first night or second night, and I was like, let's load up Saturday. I'm going to do NXT and WrestleMania first night just so I don't have to deal with that exact situation, getting two hours of sleep and then going to work on Monday. You know what I mean? That's yeah. brutal. So I actually, when I'm reviewing a show, I would rather review the Saturday pay-per-view just so I can sleep on Sunday, yeah. you know? And, you know, I love the fact that we have signed up through natural reasons and natural causes. We are doing two post shows on one day, one two after part, well, one after cast and one after party all on one day. April 2nd, baby. That's going to be our marathon. That's going to be our AEW revolution right there, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) That's the day Boris finally snaps. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Um, So, okay. Yeah, uh, Matt. What did you think of the show? This thing? I really liked it, but again, like I, I, it was lost on me a little bit in the moment how good it really was because I was, you know, I had, uh, I was drinking beers with my roommates and I was having a good time and I wasn't watching it super closely. I was just kind of like, uh, by the end especially, just kind of like, you know, watching it like half watching it almost, but just watching it as like a casual fan, right? So having gone back, I was kind of blown away. I watched the whole thing again today. And it it was like really 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 good. I thought there were some incredible matches, but but I, in the moment and even watching it back again, it was like very long. Like I took a break in the middle. You know what I mean? It was just it's a very tough watch in one sitting, but in chunks, incredible. Yeah. All right, we're gonna start with the buy-in. We're gonna start rating matches. We're gonna start with the buy-in. We're gonna say a couple sentences each, and we'll uh, you know kick it off with the, the legit 
Layla Hirsch versus Chris Statlander. FYI, if you are in Mississauga or the GTA, Layla Hirsch is going to be at Gotham Central Comics. That's Saturday, March the 26th. That's Saturday, March 26th. The legit Layla Hirsch appearing live and in person for an autograph session. Matt, let's, let's, let's kick it off. Yes. Okay. So yeah, Layla Hirsch pins Chris Statlander with a top rope moonsault. Nine minutes and 50 seconds. I think it was one of the worst matches on the show, but still very good. It was a perfectly fine YouTube opener, you know? Uh, Yeah. It was all right. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. I gave it three AFIs out of five. A 60% girls gone gray percentage. (laughs) What did you guys think? You know what? That's that. Honestly, that sounds about right. Like it was. Yeah. I I, I like the fact that Layla won because I like this heel turn. But yeah, it wasn't like the greatest match in the world. But it, it wasn't horrible. And it, you know, it was it was good enough for the buy-in. Yep. Yeah. All right, we're gonna move into Hook versus QT Marshall. Yes, Hook submits QT Marshall with Red Rum, a.k.a. Murder Backwards, a.k.a. The Katahajime, a.k.a. Taz Mission. Did you notice, and Reddit, this was pointed out, uh, someone made an actual video back-to-back. This was the finish of Taz versus Shane Douglas in ECW, whenever that happened. This was the exact finish that Taz won the ECW title with for the first time, I believe. Yep, I did notice that while I saw the thread. You know... Oh, I want to get into this, but I actually don't. I love AEW doing stuff like this, but sometimes it's a little too much. And so, like, I don't, I don't want to get into it. Let's let's focus. Yeah, Force, I'll, focus. I'll, it can get a little. <laughs> It, it can get a little too cute. There's a there's a moment in this show where it got too cute, and we'll I'll I'll go on my rant then. So would but someone say QT? <laughs> I did not think this was too QT. I thought this was perfect, exactly what it needed to be. Three and a half AFIs out of five for this one. What did you guys think? Yep. I am not on the hook bandwagon. Oh! I will agree with you that the match is three and a half uh afis i'll give you that but i think that's because of qt marshall <laughs> so like oh yeah yeah it um, looks like five matches in that's yeah. fair no no and, and i get it like and i'm you know i'm just trying to be cool like i just don't get the hook thing so um you're not you're like, not like, hooked. like no wait <laughs> let me let me let me let me rephrase that i get that people like hook i'm just it's just not resonating with me that's all so it's a kid thing all right, match three from the buy-in, House of Black versus Pac versus Eric Redbeard versus Penta Escudo. Yes, Brody King pins Eric Redbeard with a fire thunder driver, sit-out reverse pile driver thing, 17 minutes and 20 seconds, which is what hurt this match for me. It was, it was like, it was a great match that went way too long, in my opinion. Yeah, 100% agreed with you. This match is a buy-in match. This match should not be 17 minutes. You're not going to convince me to buy the pay-per-view with a 17-minute match at this point, right? You know, like, so, you know, this match could have been done in probably 10 minutes, and I would have been super happy. You know, it's just it's just too long. It's like a New Japan main event. Just too long. No reason for it. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I as much as I rag on the House of Black, like, sort of gimmick slash interviews, in the ring, these dudes are studs. Um, and you know, obviously, Pac Penta and and you know, well, Pac and Penta, Eric Redbeard, 
uh, you know, he's he is what he is. But I yeah, like at about the 10 minute mark, I was kind of like, all right, guys, let's finish this off. Hurry up. <laughs> like, you know, it's no. too much. One more point about this. I love the look. I love Bento Scudo. I love everything about it, except one thing. If he's going into this gimmick, you know, this demon, black, evil, nega, penta gimmick, he should be, number one, a heel, number two, a lot more lethal than he usually is. Like, what's the point of this? Yeah, there's not really a change other than the fact that uh, Alex Abrahantes has a dumber (laughs) costume on now. (laughs) Exactly. But yeah, so I thought this was what I thought this was was a four star match that overstayed its welcome. So I'm going three and three quarter AFIs, B plus seventy five percent, but just kind of missed its target a little bit, you know. Yep, agreed, hundred percent. All right, on to the main card: Chris Jericho versus Eddie Kingston. Guys, for oh. me personally, this was on par. And I'm struggling with what my match of the night was, but this is probably on par with another match. Oof, oof. It's, ew, yeah, it's right up there. It was a tough decision. This was probably my silver medal match of the night, I think. This match was awesome. I loved it. Agreed. In fact, I can't remember. Like, it was this match and another match that I had as my match of the night. I Actually, I think I was leaning towards Eddie versus Chris being my match of the night. I just, like, the build was good. The match was good, except for the one spot where it looked like Jericho landed on his head. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just it was a good fight. And um, admittedly, too, like I'm a huge All Japan wrestling fan, like 90s AGPW. So Eddie Kingston doing all that stuff was like, yeah, but yeah, boy, <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Yep. I think so. that was that was like on purpose. Like, I'm not saying like the landing was exactly what they wanted, but I think it was supposed to be a head drop suplex. Yeah, like, it was. yeah, yeah like it was the half and half. But it was, like, yeah, but boy. It <laughs> and what a way to kick off the actual pay-per-view. <laughs> like, that yeah, was literally no the first move of the night. <laughs> that, yeah, that is crazy. So yeah, I went four and a quarter AFIs on this one. 85% solid A. Uh, not quite a classic, but like a banger, absolute banger will be on the 122 list at the end of the year. Yep. Nice. All right. Next match was for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. You had Jurassic Express, your champions versus the Young Bucks versus Red Dragon. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this was a good match. Uh, again, a little long, a little Young Bucksy. Like it was a lot, a lot of the playing the old hits. You know what I mean? It was basically watching the Eagles play Hotel California. Like we saw the the put his uh, put the partners in a tombstone position and super kick out the knees. We saw all the favorites. You know what I mean? But it was still a at the end of the day, I would call it a great match. It was like a low level, possibly will show up at the bottom of our list kind of match to me. So I gave it four AFIs out of five. The Jurassic Express win with a move that is unfortunately known as throw acid express their suplex into a powerbomb thing. Yeah. What else can we say? Um, (laughs) The next match was the face of the revolution match ladder match. Keith Lee versus orange Cassidy versus Ricky Starks versus powerhouse Hobbs versus Wardlow versus Christian cage. So this one, I kind of feel like I'm cheating a little bit because I didn't like it that much the first time I watched it. And the second time I watched it, I was like, oh, shit, this match actually was great. And I slept on this thing. So how did you guys feel about this ladder match? 
my my concern with the and this isn't just this ladder match it's with any ladder match is that there there were points in the match where um you know it's like don't set up a spot like you know just try to win the match like that should be yeah. the story like and and the one the one really glaring one for me was and I can't remember who it was. Like someone was on their way up the ladder, ladder, and Wardlow kind of stared at him, and then he came down and started fighting. It's like, no, just keep going up the ladder. Let Wardlow stop you. So that I think that was my biggest complaint about the match. Now that said, you know, some good action going on. I I I, I hope to God Ricky Starks is okay because he took like that crazy oh. looking power bomb on on the ladder, and dude just came back from neck surgery, right? That so, was so bad. Yeah, like that. I I I was legit scared. That actually kind of took me out of the match a little bit when I saw that. So yeah, I thought it was okay, but but again, I I just was not a fan of you know sort of setting up spots as opposed to trying to win the match. Yeah, I think it was Keith Lee in that specific one. Yeah, you were I think to. you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100% there. Yeah, it was good. Sometimes the logic escapes the wrestling and it really takes me away from it, you know, and, and but that's ladder matches in general. But the issue now is there's so many ladder matches. What else can we do? How else can we frame this? So I get it. And it was still a good match. Some scary spots, but I just want a little more realism in that sense. I can't I can't argue that my experience watching this was at the time I was like, well, that was like sloppy and dangerous. And going back and watching it the second time, I, I really appreciated the creativity and the flow of this match. So I ended up settling on four AFIs out of five. Sounds like you guys disagree with that one, but that's fine. Yeah. No, you know what? I accept it. I bet you if I went back, I would appreciate it more. Right. All right. The next match. For the AEW TBS Championship, your champion, Jade Cargill, with Smart Mark Sterling versus Tay Conti. Yes, Jade pins Ty Conti with Jaded, the uh, the old bitch clamp, the, glans, the glam slam, the double chicken wing face buster maneuver. Uh, yeah, it was like six minutes, 50 seconds it is. This was a weird match. I really liked the last like minute or so. I thought it was pretty good, but very, very kind of weird match here. Yeah. This match didn't need to be on the card. Again, the, going back to my previous statement, I understand why it was there, but there was no reason for this to actually be on the card this night. You know, you could have taken this match and replace it with Wednesday's heavyweight championship match because that match had no reason to be on Dynamite. In my opinion, this TBS championship match had no reason to be on the on the card. The card was full enough. How How about this? Take this match off the card or a, uh, a match we'll get to later. Take one of these two matches, either this or the trios match. We'll just say it off the card. And instead give the FTR fires Tully Blanchard thing like seven to 10 minutes to breathe. Give them like an actual promo out in front of the fans, a little second to like get that breather, maybe go to the bathroom, get a drink, whatever. Right. You know what? Exactly. Because, like, I know where they were coming from with the Tully Planter stuff, but it really reminded me of the Authors of Pain firing Ellering. I don't even remember that, to be honest. So the way that happened is on their, when they debuted on Raw after the match, they literally said no, and they just walked up the ramp alone. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Good, good pull, buddy. I totally would have not remembered that. That's that's totally right. Yeah, obviously that resonated with Matt and I pretty. Strongly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I so yeah, I, 
I do think Jade's coming along. I thought this was an above average match slightly, you know, not like didn't blow my socks off, but we'll go three AFIs out of five, you know, 60%. It's a C. Sure. Ooh, I, I hope Dan doesn't hear that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think he would say you're giving her like three star or three, three AFIs too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, you know what? Like, here's the thing. I agree with you. I think Jade is improving. I would argue that this is her best match, which is good. Cause it's, a, this is her latest match. I'm yeah. not the biggest uh, Ty Conti fan, even though I know she's strong. Um, and I agree with you. I think like the, that last minute was actually pretty good, but you know, getting there took, there, there, there was some, there was some sloppiness going on there too. So. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of sloppiness, but in the actual brutal sort of way, my match of the night, the dog collar match, oh. CM Punk versus MJF. Interesting. MJF versus CM Punk, a bloodbath. Punk wins when he punches MJF with his own dynamite diamond ring. 26 minutes and 45 seconds. This was a war, man. This was really, really good. Yep. Yep. No, this this match was incredible. This match had it all. Um, I just, you know what? I don't think people respect MJF enough because if there's anyone who understands the psychology and the old school just you know, thought process of a wrestling match, that's him right there, right? Like, he, he's not the most mm-hmm. talented. He's not going to do flippity stuff every match, right? But he just understands. But, but, but he doesn't He doesn't need to. Exactly. That's not his character. That's exactly right? it. That's exactly and, it. And, like, from, like, because, yeah, I get, I, I, I get, like, a lot of people talk, like, work rate and all that stuff. And that's that's fine. Like, I'm not saying I'm against a, a good work rate match, you know, quote, unquote. But, like, MJF, like, talks like a heel he acts like a chicken shit heel he wrestles like a chicken shit heel everything works and i i think like to me mjf is a very 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 underrated worker 100 percent, 100 percent. it's similar you know and i can't i'm gonna compare him to this guy because everyone loves to do it it's kind of like the miz he just he gets the job done right he's not the most fantastic wrestler but he gets the job done and he knows what he's doing in there he doesn't hurt anyone and he can pull off really good matches but and he can talk and he just understands the business that's what mjf is he's a significantly better wrestler than the miz obviously a better talker too but i think he's like miles you you might you might be tempted to say he's miles better as a talker he's miles better as a wrestler mjf doesn't get the credit he deserves in the ring absolutely I I like this match a lot. It's funny. You say it's your match of the show and I'm I'm rating it highly. I think it's slightly off the podium for me. I don't even think I can give it the bronze medal, but that just shows how strong a show it was. I would still go four and a quarter AFIs for this one. It's still 85%. It will still be on the list, Boris, but there's three matches on the show that will be ahead of it on the list. Yep. All right. So the next match was for the AEW Women's Championship. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, your champion versus Thunder Rosa. This one, this one pissed me off. This was the one that was too (laughs) cute. All right. So Tony Khan, this, this is Tony Khan getting too cute for himself. It's as though he, he was booking this show and he realized, wait a minute, St. Patrick's day is coming up. It will be the one year anniversary St. Patrick's day slam of the last Britt Baker versus uh, Thunder Rosa bloodbath St. Patrick's Day Slam is in San Antonio 
fuck it, let's just do a WWE match to prolong this feud. Yeah. So they had a WWE Raw match. They had a match that went too long. If there were commercials, it would have went through four commercials. You know what I mean? This was a Raw match. This was every Raw match I've ever seen. There was it, it, there was like false finishes. A curb stomp on the belt was the finish. Seventeen minutes and twenty five seconds. This was the worst match on the show, and it was it was disappointing because these guys are awesome. These gals, these ladies are amazing. But this was a, yeah. a bad bad match. Joe and Not, I were talking. I shouldn't even say that. Joe and I were talking actually before you joined the call, Matt, and we were saying they should have done an angle where somehow this match just got taken off the card and you literally then don't have to go through the Eliminator because you're going against AEW Logic. Thunder Rosa literally just lost her match. Why give her another shot at the shot? So remove this match from the card, from the pay-per-view, move it to you know um, uh, St. Patrick's Day Slam in San Antonio in the cage and boom, everyone's happy. That's interesting. I wonder if, yeah... I but, think people might you know have what? been disappointed. That's what it is. You know? Again, Tony Khan wants to appease everyone so much that he was just a, he was scared to 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 you know hit that card subject to change button. <laughs> In case of emergency, break glass. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Card subject to change. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I would still think because they're such good workers that I couldn't call it a bad match, but I wouldn't call it a good match. So that's Mendoza line two and a half AFIs. That's where I put this worst match on the show. Only thing that I would call average, and maybe I'm just even giving it a boost because I like both women, and I don't want to say it was bad, but I just said it was bad a couple times. So maybe uh, two and a half is too too good. Too actually, much. Matt, I will say it was bad mainly because <laughs> no no like because that ending kind of to your point absolutely pissed me off because i yeah. thought you got to put the belt on rosa and like again like it's just it's it's time and you and and you're you're getting to that point where if they don't do it the fans are going to turn on this lex and luger I, like, 1993 they, summer oh, slam. there you go yep there, there you go it's like we're getting to that point and because of the ending, and I know Dan was vehemently opposed to this, but because of the ending, I thought the Jade Ty Conti match was better. Um, yeah, because at least that one, you know, made sense. Uh, this know, one yeah. didn't make sense. You know what? You guys want me over. I'm bumping it down to two AFIs. <laughs> We're below the Mendoza line, and I agree with that. I do think this match was worse than uh, Jade versus Ty. I think it was the worst match on the show. And uh, yeah, disappointing. They they just prolonged it for for no reason. But it's like it's like Boris said. I, I I think that's exactly well put, homie. They didn't want to hit that card subject to change button. Yep. WWE that 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 button's like overused. It's so used. It's pressed <laughs> it's down. Worn out. You can't even you can't even read the writing on it. Yep. <laughs> All right. The next match was the six man tornado tag match. Matt Hardy, Andrade El Idolo. And Isaiah Cassidy oh, wait, versus... No, 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 oh, no, 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 no. What? Oh, no, fuck, I just missed... Oh, sorry. Oh, <laughs> I just scrolled down. <laughs> Disrespecting the probably the other best match on the card. <laughs> All right. The American Dragon, Brian Danielson versus John Moxley. So the way that we write matches, Boris, with like the build-up and the aftermath mattering... And this match directly not only paying off, living up to my expectations, but directly leading to these guys tag teaming. And then they're going to go on an amazing tag team run now all year. Could be tag team of the year. I think this was this was my gold medal. 
This was match of the of of the night. This is high on my match of the year list right now. This is number I just updated the list today. This is number three right now. Only two matches in all wow. of wrestling do I have ahead of John Moxley versus Brian Danielson. Moxley pins Danielson by reversing a triangle choke thing into a roll up. Twenty one minutes and five seconds. Four and a half AFIs. Ninety percent. It's a classic. I loved it. <laughs> that's 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 it. <laughs> I, you know what like here's the other part too like the whole thing with um william regal coming in you know i mean that just added to the match like i again this wasn't my match of the night but i i thought it was a great match and I, again i love the angle at the end i thought that was you know this is I've, I've said this a few times like this is you know having my cake and eating it too because we got to see a kick-ass match between Mox and Danielson, and now we get to see a kick-ass tag team slash faction with those two and William Regal leading the way. I, yep. I think that's, that was outstanding. All right. I can't wait. Hopefully, hopefully Claudio Castagnoli, too. Sorry, Boris. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to nitpick. I am going to nitpick because I am that guy. If they were going to do the whole Regal angle, I still think that they should have KO'd each other and have a no-contest finish. And then that way, they're still kicking each other's ass. Regal comes out for a reason and say, stop fighting each other, you dumbasses, you know. But you kind of have this weird ending with Moxley getting this, 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 the pin out of nowhere, which was fine. I'm not hating on it. But then I think I just feel like it would have been more impactful if no one had won. And Regal comes out after the match, after no contest and said, y'all are idiots. Y'all should, you know, we're going to do this together. That's my one minor nitpick. I see that. I, I will push back just in this way. I think what happened was uh, Moxley took like his his like last shot, like buzzer beater, like drew up a play with 0.5 seconds left and got the tip in, actually won by reversing the Dragon's triangle choke and out wrestling the wrestler, right? So when they actually do break up a uh, year, 18 months, two years down the road, that could be the reason why Danielson is bitter that when it came to it, Moxley out wrestled him. So I think that was actually a seed being planted. Perhaps, maybe not. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Great. Hmm. Possibly. I'm sticking to my nitpick. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, man. But yeah, no, I love this match. Gold medal match of the night. Uh, number three match of the year. The only two I have ahead of right ahead of it right now are, uh, Wrestle Kingdom main event Okada versus uh, Will Ospreay and Cody versus Sammy ladder match. That fucking thing was insane. That was a classic too. Yeah. All right. We're going to move on <laughs> to the next match. The six man tornado tag match. Matt Hardy, Andrade El Idolo and Isaiah Cassidy versus the icon Sting, Darby Allen and the Spanish God himself, Sammy Guevara. Oof. So yeah, the, the sting moment was crazy. But, <laughs> oh my god, that's that's definitely the big takeaway of this match, right? For sure. I don't know if this match needed to exist on the card. I'm glad that that sting thing happened. I don't know if Sting woke up glad that it happened the next day. Ooh. But I, uh, I'll tell you, like this was up until Britt versus Rosa. This was the one match that I had. Like this was going to be my bathroom break. <laughs> Because I was kind of like, do they really like, like, you know, Darby Allen's one of your big stars. So is Sammy. Right. And Sting is Sting. Like, do you really need to have them? Like, do you really need to have them on the card? You know, you want to keep these guys sort of special. Right. So, yeah, this was the one 
match for me where I was kind of like, eh, now you're right. The sting thing was like, it was just, oh my God, that went nuts. Um, so I, I guess I'm glad it happened, I guess. But for the most part, I was not really into this match. This was, again, this was my bathroom break match. Not fair enough. What, how'd you feel about it, homie? Yeah, I agree. Again, Joe, not trying to kiss your ass, but I agree with you. This was <laughs> like, it just, it, it, I hate saying this. But it always comes up. It was what it was. It was there. It wasn't bad. It didn't need to be there. Again, this match could have happened uh, on Dynamite. You know, actually, a couple this, this would be, to me. This would have been more of a rampage match. Oof. So. Oof. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Even but, then. But yeah. you know, we needed to get the eventual blow off, which was Jeff Hardy allowing his brother to get his ass kicked as his music played and he danced on the stage, which, <laughs> which was the funniest thing to watch. But that was the blow off, obviously. So I guess this match needed to exist there. It, it, whatever. Sure. Matt, how would you rate it? So I actually ended up going uh, probably a little higher than you again. On the rewatch, I liked it much more than I did the first time. And maybe it's cheating, but that's that's the way we're scoring it today. So that's how it's going. I would go as high as three and a half, 70% uh, B-level AFI kind of match on this one. Three and a half AFIs out of five. Uh, the, the Sting thing will live in infamy. Yep. Well, you know you what, what and- scares me about that? Sorry, Joe. Is no, Vince okay. McMahon, watch Sting. At 62, do that spot, and you fucking know that he's planning something oh, for WrestleMania now. My oh, God. Oh. Well, it, it, here's the thing. If nothing else, I think this this match over-delivered. Like, I wasn't expecting much from this match, and holy crap, there was a lot. Like, we're talking about the Sting thing, but, you know, the Sammy G uh, Spanish fly off that, off that, you know, whatever the 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 stage there was yeah, insane onto the table. Absolutely insane. You know, so when that's getting second billing to a sixty-two-year-old man jumping off a jumping <laughs> off a balcony on the tables, you know that the match is nuts. Yeah, yeah. the Sammy thing, it's so crazy. That guy, that guy has like a suicide attempt per match. It's it's insane, man. Would, but he's Here's here's my dream match: Sammy Guevara versus Will Ospreay versus Kota Ibushi versus Kevin Owens. Who's gonna break their neck first in a match? Actually, I would I would, I would throw Darby in that. In oh that God! Too. <laughs> Refereed by Mick Foley. There you go. Oh dear. <laughs> All oh, right. Man. This leads us into the main event of the night, which was the Battle of the Adams for the AEW World Championship. Hangman Adam Page versus Adam Cole Bay Bay Joe. What did you think of this match? It was it was good, but I'll admit it almost jumped the shark on me when like like when <laughs> like the Dark Order came out. Like I, the Dark Order are a fun act, but I want them nowhere near the world title yeah. picture. And I think like that kind of hurt the match for me. That's fair. It didn't hurt it for me because. It's AEW, and I've just come to accept the Dark Order, but I'm right there with you. They don't belong anywhere near the main event. They're so goofy. They're so silly. They're so, like, yeah, they're not. They're just not what you think when you think, like, cream of the crop main event. They're just, like, bumbling sidekicks. And, and again, don't get me wrong. I like the Dark Order. I do. I like the act. Just not with Adam Page. 
Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. That, I think that's yeah. Well put, man. I, I I would agree with that exactly. So I I still think this match is really good. Twenty five minutes forty five seconds. Hangman Page wins with his buckshot lariat after Adam Cole gets out of the first one too. That was pretty cool. Didn't expect that to happen. But yeah, I went. Uh, I went. This was my bronze medal match of the night. My third best match of the night, and I went four and a quarter AFIs on this one. Eighty five percent. Eighty five in the Miss Murder percentile. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. No, honestly, it was such a good show. You know, you can complain about the length. You can complain about so much. But at the end of the day, thank God for AEW. And thank God for these pay-per-views. I'm so glad they exist. Pro wrestling's back. Like CM Punk came out to his old song. You know, if you knew that, if you got that reference, that's an awesome little Easter egg. And if you didn't, you got an opportunity to learn about some history. And maybe you're more interested in checking out Ring of Honor. Maybe you're more interested in learning more about the history, the heritage of your favorite wrestlers. Man, I'm so glad AEW exists. It's it's wrestling by fans for fans. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Joe, thank you so much for sticking around, for chatting with us. You might as well stay till the end of the show because all we have left to do is talk about what's coming up next here on the SNME Radio Network. It is Friday, so that means that tomorrow is Saturday and you get not one but two shows. You get the Smack Daddies talking all things SmackDown. Then at night, you're going to be getting... Your Rampage rollout from Dark Side of the Elite that leads us straight into Sunday with Mike McGuire coming at you with Sunday Night's Main Event, the flagship show. And this weekend, we have a huge interview with the NWA champion himself, Matt Cardona. I'm really looking forward to that one, guys. Can't wait to check that out. Yeah, that's a huge get. Mike Mike doing some huge things. So dope. And uh, if you haven't yet, check out the full 2.0 interview on YouTube. You can see it with video. That'll be, uh, it, it's definitely a fun watch. It's definitely worth your time to see the whole, the whole conversation. And uh, Mike actually asked some of the questions that were on the Facebook thread. So you can see if your question got asked. Exactly, and that's the beauty of this. You know, we always have threads up before an interview, so go join the Facebook group if you're not part of it. Go on Facebook, go search SNME Radio. You'll see kind of what's coming up. You'll get to interact with us during the shows. Go to YouTube. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Can't believe I'm actually saying that, but here I am (laughs) actually saying hit that subscribe button that you see below or whatever the hell these YouTubers say, these young kids say. Anyways, Matt. (laughs) Thank you so much, Joe. Awesome to chat with you. Always, always loves being able to podcast with you and talk about some wrestling. And today we got to talk some sports. <sighs> it was a good one, guys. He, on, he's Joe. He's Matt. I'm Boris. Adios.